0: It's 8.30 on Thursday, September 27th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith praises Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Then, a message from hope as many Mississippians celebrate recovery from the throes of addiction and mental illness.
1: The idea is to increase awareness and understanding of mental health and substance use disorder and to celebrate the people that are in recovery.
0: And in our book club, meet author and Grammy Award-winning songwriter Tina Clark with her new memoir on growing up in Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh will testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee today. Republican U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith is pledging her support for Kavanaugh and encouraging colleagues to do the same. Speaking from the Senate floor in Washington for the first time, Hyde-Smith says her support for Kavanaugh should not be taken as a lack of support for assault survivors.
2: Today, I am compelled by duty to our country and the people of Mississippi to speak in strong and upyielding support for Judge Brett Kavanaugh. The Constitution entrusts the Senate with the duty to provide the President the advice and consent for a lifetime appointment on the United States Supreme Court. It is a serious responsibility, but the process has devolved into a purely political effort by those who want to keep Judge Kavanaugh off the court by destroying his reputation and his character. I've had conversations with several colleagues who tell me they have never seen such chaos and hatred as we are witnessing in this confirmation process. The fact that accusations against Brett Kavanaugh were suspiciously withheld until the 11th hour really is not surprising. We expected something, but we didn't know it would be and never expected the opposition to stoop to this level. Now I want to be clear. My heart breaks for victims of assault and abuse. It's an issue that must never be taken lightly. That is why unproven accusations are so very unjust.
0: Senator Hyde-Smith says Kavanaugh is falling victim to political motives.
2: I believe Judge Kavanaugh when he says these humiliating events not never happened, not three decades ago, not ever. It seems opponents of Judge Kavanaugh are engaged in character assassination to destroy the reputation of a devoted public servant, a loving husband and father, I, for one, will not stand by and just watch this happen. It is an honor to serve in this body, and our debate should strengthen the integrity of this institution which the American people have a right to expect. The confirmation process is not easy. It should be comprehensive, detailed, and allow nominees to prove their worthiness. It should not be malicious. It should not be intentionally destructive. It should not be a weapon to use against a qualified nominee whose life has been given in service to our country's laws, the judiciary, and the American people. Judge Kavanaugh is such a nominee. I've met him and reviewed his impeccable record of service and integrity. He is a disciple of the rule of law and judicial restraint. He is a champion of the Constitution. He believes, as I do, that all Americans are equal before the law of the courts. On behalf of all future nominees, I want to applaud Judge Kavanaugh for standing firm and not allowing these tactics to derail this process. It is time to bring Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation to a vote on the floor of the United States Senate. He has earned my support.
0: Christine Blasey Ford, who has accused Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her when they were in high school three decades ago, is also scheduled to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee today. Judge Kavanaugh will have the chance to respond to her charges. Keep listening to MPB Think Radio. We will have live coverage of the hearing starting at nine o'clock right here on MPB Think Radio. In other news, Mississippi Attorney General Jim Hood is back in the state after meeting with U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions and Attorneys General from across the nation. He says they are investigating poor business practices by large technology companies.
3: General Sessions having been an attorney general uh, in the state of Alabama. understood, you know, where we AGs were coming from. About six of us AGs were there and several others were on the phone. And we discussed uh, technology uh, companies and antitrust issues and privacy. That was our primary concern. As attorneys general, you know, we have privacy authority under the Consumer Protection Acts as well as antitrust acts in the state. And so that was our primary focus. Well, it was about the most wealthy corporations in the world, uh, or tech companies now, you know, many of many of them don't build anything, it's, they just trade in information, with the exception of Apple, but um, they trade in information, which is now the gold standard. And so, it's it's uh, uh, you know, used to be the federal government was big brother, and now it's uh, uh, the tech companies, they know more about us than we know about ourselves. So, we're hoping that the Department of Justice will join with attorneys general. My suggestion I put on the table was for uh us, we AGs who are interested in the antitrust area uh, involving tech companies, to um, form a working group uh, that we sign a memorandum of understanding whereby documents would be kept confidential and we could share information. And so uh, uh, coming away from that meeting, we AGs hope that uh, we will be able to work with the Department of Justice going forward to use their um, Forces and and use our separate state laws to um, try to bring forces to bear to deal with uh, some of the power of the, the tech companies, and uh, at some point uh, we're going to have to have to address that uh, that 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 economic power, and uh, hopefully in the end we'll be able to create more competition in the marketplace.
0: General Hood says popular ride-hailing company Uber has also reached an agreement with his office after failing to notify drivers for an entire year that there was a data breach. To see our team's updates throughout the day, follow MPB News on Twitter. Coming up, a message from Hope as many Mississippians celebrate recovery from the throes of addiction and mental illness. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell, and the Mississippi Health Care Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. Decision 2018, the Mississippi
0: U.S. Senate debate. Candidates in Mississippi's U.S. Senate special election meet face-to-face, debating the critical issues as they compete to fill the seat of former Senator Thad Cochran. Live from the campus of Millsaps College in Jackson, Decision 2018, the Mississippi U.S. Senate debate, Thursday, October 4th at 7 p.m., exclusively on MPB Television, MPB Think Radio, and streaming on YouTube. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians are celebrating their progress in overcoming drug addiction and issues with mental illness along with others nationwide. September is National Recovery Month. Trost Friedler is executive director of the Harbor House Chemical Dependency Services. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser the awareness was first raised by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration nearly 30 years ago.
1: The idea is to increase awareness an understanding of mental health and substance use disorder, and to celebrate the people that are in recovery.
4: And do you see a lot of folks that are in this category? Uh, Yes. And does it take a long time, or how can you help them get to the place where they can celebrate?
1: You know, we have an alumni organization that puts on sober events throughout the year and allows people to get together and celebrate their recovery and they're great family events and um and they're open to the community.
4: And so people can survive this, they can have significant mental health disorders and still be able to recover from drug addiction.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I mean we Harbor House has uh a lot of people that we have treated that are in very productive have become very productive members of society.
4: Is there anything else you can add that I didn't ask?
1: Well, I I think there's still a lot of, um, there's still a lack of understanding about what a substance abuse disorder is, and, you know, one of the things that's important to understand is it's a disease, and that people have a right to get help, and through that process of dealing with their mental health and substance abuse disorder, they become productive members of society.
0: Harbor House Executive Director Trost Friedler. 47-year-old Monica Walters is celebrating recovery. She lives with bipolar disorder. She graduated from Mississippi College and now works with the Heinz Behavioral Health Services. She tells MPB's Desiree Fraser, the peer support from meeting others in the community can help someone overcome their challenges.
5: Well, for me, recovery month is every month. So, um, and it's something that's very important to me and helping my clients to also achieve the level of recovery that they want to be able to do the things that they want to do in life. And um I am here to let my clients know that just because you have a serious mental illness um does not keep you from achieving your goals. I have a serious mental illness. In spite of that, I was still able to graduate I was uh, still able to maintain employment now those things have not come real easy there's been a lot of difficulties but um in spite of the hardships maintaining a hopeful attitude and um just
4: but let me ask you this what mental illness do you have
5: My diagnosis is um, bipolar type 1 with psychotic features.
4: And one thing about um, National Recovery Month, from what I understand, it's mental health and uh, substance abuse? Correct. So you were abusing a substance. What were you abusing?
5: Okay. Well, for me, um, my recovery is dealing with... um, mental health. So um, I was diagnosed with a serious mental health issue um, about 15 years ago with mental health. Fortunately for me, I have been able to stay away from hard substances because um, my, my parents um, were drug addicts at one time, and I saw the repercussions, and I saw the difficulties with addiction. And for me, I tried to be an alcoholic um, at one time, but it seems like my body doesn't tolerate alcohol very well. And I've had a hard time. Um, I, I can't really drink very much. So in, in a sense, that's been a blessing for me um, to not become an alcoholic like um, like my parents were.
4: How are you able to help other people? What is your message to them during this month because as you know we hear so much about the opioid epidemic, um about um uh drugs that are coming on the scene, um about uh, all types of chemicals whether they're naturally produced or synthetic that are a serious concern. Yeah, and
5: and the hope is is that you can get better. Um, one thing that's been a real struggle for me with the, with addiction is addiction to the disease itself, is addiction to the feelings of mania and psychosis that I've experienced in the past. So what's happened is I, because of being addicted to those um, extreme emotions, I have come off the medicine just so I could be manic. Um, I have um, lost jobs because of not taking my medicine, um, and but fortunately right now it's been, as of today, as of this year, it's been about six, seven years since I've been hospitalized, and I have learned the importance of staying on my medicine and encouraging others to also stay on their medicine, um, and that's been my saving grace for me, and if I can achieve this level of recovery, I know other people can too.
4: I know I grew up with two people who were later diagnosed as bipolar, and their um, experiences were quite different. One had a much more severe case than the other. The other was able to take meds and uh, worked as a teacher for many years. So You're meeting people across the board who have been able to um, survive this and be successful. Can you speak to how you encourage people to stay focused? Because it is not easy. I saw my other friend go in and out of the hospital all the time and have those highs and lows. And when she was in the hospital, she was extremely depressed. And it was hard for her to um, get a balance and when she was supposed to take her medication, she didn't take it because there's a denial factor.
5: Correct. And that's probably one of the most challenging things that um, I deal with with some of my clients is clients that don't realize that they're sick. Um, that could be denial. It could be um, just the symptom um, unfortunately, it's a symptom of the disorder to not be aware. And for me, part of um, my saving grace has been the gift of insight and been able to um, have this self-knowledge. I can be in the throes of a psychotic episode and still be, well, this isn't right. I need to get myself checked out. Something's not right here and have been able to get myself to the hospital or to, to get treatment. Um, So that is definitely um, a big challenge, Uh, but just actually just being a role model for others, letting other people see that I, telling them that I have to take medicine too, just like they do, and being a role model, they see me working, they see me um, doing activities and living my life the way that I choose to and so they they want that too and everybody everybody pretty much wants the same thing they want to have a life they want to have independent living um many of my clients they want to work they want employment and i'm there to say well hey if i can work you can work too and that gives people that gives people hope and when people come up to me and say, well, you're able to do this, and you're able to do that, and you still, and you have a mental illness. Well, I, you give me hope that I can do those things too. And um, so I'm just opening the path, and others are following, and then more follow. And in the beginning, when I first got diagnosed, I had never heard. Nobody told me anything about recovery they just said well you're going to be sick you're probably not going to be able to work and you're going to be on these medicines for the rest of your life well i'm so happy now that recovery is something that's being promoted and talked about and people are living it
4: monica walters with the department of mental health thank you so much for sharing your story as you and so many others celebrate september national recovery month thank you
5: Thank
0: you so much. Heinz Behavioral Health Specialist and Survivor Monica Walters. National Recovery Month is in its 29th year. Coming up in our book club, meet author and Grammy Award-winning songwriter Tina Clark with her new memoir on growing up in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
6: The Kavanaugh hearings, deeply divisive. Today's testimony could be a defining moment for Brett Kavanaugh and his accuser, Christine Blasey Ford. It's a nomination fight the likes of which we haven't seen since the Clarence Thomas hearings in 1991. Kavanaugh, his accuser, and the day's testimony. I'm Nina Totenberg. Join me for special coverage from NPR News.
1: This morning at 9 on MPB
3: Think Radio.
4: Attention all educators. MPB has partnered with the Secretary of State's office to host this year's Promote the Vote initiative. Help your students learn important lessons about civic engagement while having fun in the classroom. This opportunity is for K-12 students across Mississippi. Get them engaged with a mock election, plus art and essay contests. For more information about Promote the Vote or to sign up your class or school, visit mpbonline.org.
0: Tina Clark is a Grammy award-winning songwriter, music producer, and activist. She's now adding author to the list. The Mississippi native joins us in today's book club to talk about her new memoir, Southern Discomfort. Clark's upbringing looked like a fairy tale on the outside, but she says behind closed doors, her life was deeply lonely and chaotic. Adding to the turmoil, she says she understood from a very young age that she was different from her three older sisters. She tells us more.
6: I had three amazing sisters. Um, one has passed away. My oldest sister has passed away. Um, and, but they were much, much older than me. Um, and the closest one to my age is 11 years. My memory starts pretty much at four and five. And they were seniors in high school leaving. The craziness started after that. You know, I, I guess a good way of putting it, my parents got married on July the 4th. That should have been a sign that there was going to be a lot of fireworks. You know, my father was known as the the wealthiest man in that town, in that area, and pretty much built Waynesboro on so many levels as far as businesses and housing and strip malls, shopping malls, whatever they were back then, but was a central figure in that town.
0: Because um, of that were you expected to act a certain way, to look a certain
6: way? Oh, a million percent, you know, and and my sisters were majorettes and drum majors and and um southern southern women, southern ladies, southern belles. My sisters were as far as I can remember and know, very popular. I was very popular. I always say when as long as I have been giving speeches to MBA programs and universities and other organizations and conferences and et cetera. I always start out by saying I would never have grown up anywhere else, wanted to grow up anywhere else. With all of the dichotomies and (laughs) hypocrisies and everything that goes along with it, I still know from my creative standpoint the soil that my soul grew from. I do not believe that I would be the musician or the artist or the creative that I was if I had not been surrounded by the times and the women in my life, which were black and white, as you know from reading the book, and my mother being a songwriter from the Big Bandera and going to New Orleans all the time and much to the dislike of my father and their embattled relationship and... My mother, all she ever wanted to be was respected and loved and known for her creative self. You know, it was always denied because my father was this powerful man and that he wanted her staying home, raising the children. He would take care of her. He would take care of everything. I think one lesson from my life and from this book is that you can be wrapped in $100 bills you can be wrapped in thousand dollar bills and mink stoles and Cadillacs and diamonds and beautiful trips and treated like a queen. But if you're not treated with respect or loved, none of that means anything. And as we all know, we know people have experienced watching that or being a part of that. And some women get out, some don't. And my mother eventually did. My mother was straight out of a. To me, I'm a Faulkner. Classic. <laughs> I mean. She was beautiful. She was close to six feet tall. She was jet black hair. She was so funny. She was a diva, as you would say. And um, she finally broke free and lived her life in a very, very simple way and gave up everything to have a life of simplicity and to get her life together. Obviously, there's a lot to read in the book. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but I think for me, it was very cathartic writing this book, the good and the bad. And there's a lot of both. It's my truth. It's what I lived. And, you know, I think we all like to see things in a different way. And some of us pretend for so long that we can't live with it anymore. And I think in writing this book, like I said, it was cathartic because There's a lot of, and I know it's everywhere. It's not just the South, but there's a lot of secrets and there's a lot of pretending and there's a lot of gaslighting. Growing up, I felt like I was going to lose my mind sometimes just trying to portray a perfect world and a perfect life when there was nothing perfect about it. And and look, we all know that not many families are, but just the pretense of it all. I have never, ever, ever known anyone who is not living their truth are living their authentic life, that it does not come out in a negative way somewhere.
0: The book is called Southern Discomfort, a Memoir by Tina Clark. Tina, thank you so much for laying it out for us. Well, thank you. Clark will be at Square Books on Tuesday, October 2nd at 5 p.m. Keep listening because the Senate Judiciary hearing on Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford, who is accusing him of sexual assault, is at 9 o'clock. So five minutes from now, that will begin live coverage here on MPB Think Radio. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio.